people of the world. It's the Brothers Talk with your hosts, Rod, Scott, and Norm. And we're glad you join us each Friday wherever you listen to your favorite podcast to hear our take as three black, unfiltered African-American men with no strings attached, giving voice to the most feared, most misunderstood, and most rarely heard from segment of the population on topics of interest to us for education, enlightenment, and entertainment. We're excited to continue spreading the message that promotes critical thinking and thoughtful conversations, advocating for social activism, and uplifting people everywhere. We're also inviting you to join us as we continue the work of encouraging and educating everyone with the edifying task of identifying, endorsing, and inspiring new and existing black businesses and individuals for the empowerment and prosperity of our community. Send your comments, questions, and suggestions, and follow us on Facebook, on X, formerly known as Twitter, at The Brothers Talk, The Brothers Talk on Instagram, and you can email us, thebrotherstalk at gmail.com. And stay tuned for details about our YouTube channel, our upcoming book, and tour dates. And now on with this week's program. Welcome, welcome, welcome all the Brothers Talk family around the world, wherever you're listening in, and all of our first-time listeners. It's great to have you with us in the ongoing battle to promote critical thinking and social justice activism. On to your weekly coronavirus awareness alert, because we care, even though your government has chosen to lay down its responsibility for keeping us informed because of what they're calling COVID fatigue, meaning they think that people are tired of hearing about the virus, even when it means keeping them up to date on safety threats, is reason enough for them to stop doing it. So here you go. Half of all states plus New York City and Washington, D.C. are seeing high levels of respiratory virus activity. New federal data from the CDC shows new weekly COVID hospitalizations remain steady, but COVID hospitalizations remain lower than the same time last year. The CDC also announced that it was tracking a new COVID variant known as BA.2.87.1, which so far has been detected nine times in South Africa, according to an update provided by the Federal Health Agency last week but not yet in the United States. But as with all these variants, it seems it's just a matter of time. Currently, only 47.6% of adults are vaccinated against the flu and 22.3% are vaccinated with the updated COVID vaccine. Also, just 21.9% of adults over age 60 have received the RSV vaccine, according to CDC data. And while half of all children, 50%, are vaccinated against the flu, just 12.4% have received the updated COVID vaccine. So once again, unless you or the people that you care about just want to get sick, please stick to what we know works. Get vaccinated and get your boosters, wear masks in crowded situations, wash your hands regularly, use plenty of disinfectants. And if you or your children do get sick, please stay home until the contagious period passes. That's five days for COVID, four days for the flu, and eight days for RSV, from when you first notice you have symptoms. No one should end up unnecessarily in the hospital or worse from these preventable diseases. We can and we must do better. Now to my brothers in the struggle for critical thinking, Scott and Noah. Thanks, Rod. And thanks, family, for your continued support. And as usual, I'm going to piggyback on the COVID thing that Rod was talking about. Don't get fooled because the government seem to be seem to have abdicated their responsibility in you know being more serious about this virus. Just take a look at what's happening around you. I've noticed that when I go into businesses now, the proprietors or the cashier or the customer service, they, they're wearing masks. Even younger younger people are wearing masks. Even when I go to restaurants sometimes, I see uh, some of the waitresses, younger waitresses wearing masks. So that said to me that 
that's saying to me that they see something, they seen something, they know something, or they've been told something, and they're taking heed. So you should do the same thing. You know, wear your mask. If you don't get vaccinated, wear your mask and, and be safe. Protect your loved ones and yourself. Just to follow up with what Rod and, and Scott just said, I just heard a congressional report that over three million lives have been saved in this country because of the vaccine and over 15 million lives worldwide have been saved. Now, we had to have vaccines to go to school, to do many things during our lifetime. So my question is, why are people consistently fighting against the vaccine that not only could save your life, but those of your loved ones? We must use science, technology, and education to better ourselves and our lives, and not this ignorance and stupidity we've been carrying that is leading us down this path. Rod? Amen. So let's get right to it and let's give a shout out to the sisters this week during Black History Month for Letitia James and Fannie Willis for stepping up to the plate and Letitia knocking it out of the park with the 45 convictions and that huge fine and he and his two sons being banned from doing business in the state of New York. And then for Fannie Willis for finally showing us that a Democrat can have a backbone and stand up instead of wilting under any frivolous charge that's tossed out by the Republicans. And so thank you, Fannie Willis, for stepping up to the plate and saying, no, I will not let you intimidate me. I will not let this guy who has had zero respect for Black women, who has called them all kinds of terms like nasty and stupid and uneducated. So it would be just the greatest kind of karma for him to end up getting his full comeuppance by having to go up against two Black women. Rod, you said a mouthful, but you said what everybody else has been thinking and been wanting to say. So to piggyback on that, it looks like what we have here is, if you take a look, you got, got Alvin Braggs in New York. He's black. Letitia James in New York. She's black. Fannie Willis in Atlanta. She's black. And Judge Chunkin in D.C. She is a descendant of African-Americans, so she's black. And it looks like in this country right now, black people are the moral authority, and they're not afraid to tell the truth. Because, you know, we've been through so many struggles. We've been through this game. We've been playing. We've been played by white people and uh, and everybody else since we've been in this country. We've been dealing with this kind of hey, the sky is blue, but we're gonna say it's red, and everybody else is gonna agree with with him and say it's red because they're bullying them, they're threatening them, they're threatening their families. You know, I saw something today. Well, it was on sixty minutes when they were interviewing this guy from. Uh, he was one of the um, fake electors in Minnesota. And he said he did, you know, he he signed the thing. Uh, Anderson Cooper asked him why he did it. He said he was scared. You know, they was they was threatening him and intimidating him. He was scared. So that's why he did. But black people are stepping up to, they're stepping up, and they're the ones holding, making sure this guy's being held accountable. You got to ask yourself, where is Merrick Garland? He has way more resources than any of them. The Justice Department, what's going on there? You know, what's going on with them? What's taking them so long? 
Yeah, Rod, I have one uh, one correction. I don't think Trump was banned from doing business in New York. I think what they did was, I think the judge decided to basically bar them from any financing in New York City. And he basically put someone as an oversight person in all their businesses regarding that companies for three years. So they, they have oversight. No, he's banned for three no, years been, from doing any business. And his two right. sons are banned for two years right. from doing any business. Right. They'll put another person over. Right. She's going to be a little bit even more detailed than the person that they have in place now. That person has to report to the court. Okay, thank you. But my point here is, this is not changing anything in regards to the election, which is really troubling because all of these cases, what kind of person are these people voting for? What kind of integrity or morals are they are, are they supporting? Where are we at as a country if this person could possibly be president and literally have to still have to go to court? And, and be prosecuted as president. Well, that's the issue that comes up, that in essence, the only reason he's basically running for president, if anybody's thinking this through clearly, is that he thinks that being the president will somehow shield him from further prosecution, which is why, as you said, Scott, the issue with Merrick Garland is a guy who needs to speed that process up so that he doesn't get that opportunity. Now, I think it's clear to most any well-thinking person that without some kind of just totally corrupt process, there's no way he gets back anywhere near the White House, no matter how many votes he gets on the public side of it, that he just does not have anywhere near the kind of support from the masses to get back into the White House. But the other side of that equation is what we also want to talk about, which is the problem that the Dems have in that they have a very flawed ticket in the eyes of most of the electorate, that even though they've been doing a lot of really good things in the past three years to secure the economy and to bring inflation down, to create more jobs, the problem is going forward that too many people see an 81-year-old man as being too old as John Stewart said on The Daily Show, that he and 45 have broken the record for the oldest candidates running for president that they set themselves four years ago. And so the second part of the problem is that there's really nowhere for Biden to go in terms of stepping down and allowing the vice president run because Kamala Harris comes with her own set of unelectables, that even her own sorority has basically given her a vote of no confidence. And so we know that she is basically not going to be able to be the, the candidate. But if she is not made the candidate, then they risk a lot of backlash from the Black community as seeing Biden as having turned his back on her when the well thinking members of the Black community would actually understand that she is not electable and therefore should not be on the ticket. But we know that we've got too many people who would just simply see it as, well, she's Black and he she needs to have her turn to run, which is basically a problem they're going to have, even if he wins this election, that four years from now, God willing, if he's still alive, then it will literally be her turn to run for the presidency. And there's going to be the same kind of issue that a lot of the black electric are going to say it's her turn 
but there's going to be all these same problems that she has unless somehow, some miraculously, she does something that she hasn't been able to do the rest of her life, which is change the image and perception that people have of her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Roger, you're right on all those points. It's just that I think what's going to happen if they win this turn, and yeah, they may be saying it's her turn, but there are going to be a lot of challengers in the uh, primary that she's going to have to beat, like Gavin Newsom, Whitmer, the Michigan governor. So she's probably not going to, she wouldn't be, she's going to have to flat out come out and win it. They're not going to give it to her like they just gave it to Biden. And she's not going to be able to do that because, like you said, there are too many people who wouldn't have a problem with that if he replaced her, if she or she's not on the ticket. So those people are not going to vote for her in the primary. And white people who don't want her in there are not going to vote for her. But I think we got a bigger problem. There's a bigger problem in if John Roberts decide to stay this case or they accept, they decide to accept the case, but then decide we're we're not going to prosecute until after the election. To me, that's a signal to Trump and his people. And if they take the case and they somehow rule in his favor, then democracy is over. It's over. If many of those things happen, it's over because they've sent a message that, hey, hey, he's above law and there's nothing going to happen to him. They probably got something in place where they're going to steal the election again. You got to wonder, there have been a lot of people building bunkers. And I've been seeing stuff on the Internet where, you know, there are people who are have formed communities in case the country collapse or in case there is like a natural, like the sea level rise too quick. So there are people, all these militias, and they, these people are training for nothing. Something could possibly happen. And the question is, you know, we're not prepared. I'm not prepared. You know, we've talked about it. You know, if he get if he gets elected, we talked about me and my family. Like, well, okay, where are we gonna go? Are we gonna go to Canada? Are we gonna we need to find some other countries that we might consider going to because you got to really be serious about. We need to start really looking at the fact that these people and these judges and some of them he put in place and a lot of them, you know, they owe him or whatever. They being threatened. They're not treating him like somebody who is like nobody's above the law. And it's a possibility that they they just may say he has immunity. Then he can just still do it. He can do what the hell he want to do. So to me, that's the bigger bigger problem. What the Supreme Court is going to do? Well, right. I'd like to get back to Vice President Harris and, and the issue with her in the Democratic Party. She ran for president at one point, and literally she only got maybe three or four percent of the vote during the Democratic primary, which which is pretty bad. So I I don't really see anybody getting upset at her not getting her shot at the presidency because she has really doesn't have any demographics that she actually excites or or carries as far as a a national election. They have a bigger problem as a ticket. Her and Biden don't excite any demographic. The the biggest thing that they have going for them is they have the ability to say, we're not the Republican Party. We're not the party of Trump. And so people literally, again, as we usually do in this country, we vote for the lesser evil, and that's what we have. And that's really not exciting anybody. And as far as the African-American community, you know, this ticket has really ignored their greatest supporters. And so they're in trouble about exciting that demographic to get them to the polls. And that's where I think their problem is going to come up in the next election. Well, I think you both hit on something that I believe, which is that I think where if Kamala Harris runs and is not the nominee, I think the risk is the black support. 
I, I don't. I have no doubt that she will have a lot of challenges up there, and there will be people who will say that's unfair. But I think at the end of the day, what happens is there will be a lot of black people who will decide that somehow or another they believe she's been wronged as a black person, even though she will try to, in some ways, I'm sure, try to wrap herself up in her blackness, like when it's convenient. But the only thing that she really has that she'll try to do, and I think that's where the backlash comes in. And so they may lose that black support. And the other side of it is I just cannot see, even if they give him that immunity, I cannot see that there are masses of people that would be more than those who would vote against him just because there are folks out there who, even though we know, as we've said before, that there are lots of white males who are privileged and who believe that they should be above the law. I think the things that he has done, just like when he came out most recently and actually took credit for for the disruption of Roe v. Wade, is those kinds of things are going to lead to a big backlash overall from the electorate. So we'll have to see, but we're going to have to keep focusing on this issue around the elections because we really do have a mess, a mess. So in our Black Business Spotlight, we want to highlight Shamaria Moncrief, an Alabama tech founder who has officially reopened activations to the public this week of the Tessex Wireless Network, the prepaid wireless carrier she founded. Over the last five years, the wireless carrier has generated over 12 million pre-profit. And while that's a big number, the startup saw a number of challenges that call for a full reconstruction of the brand. And that also meant not welcoming any new subscribers for a while. Over the past five years, Moncrief admits that the road has not been easy and that many hurdles were met. Running a wireless carrier in today's marketplace, the challenges are inevitable. But in spite of the challenges, the company has lasted far beyond what the average startup does and celebrates that very simple aspect and is continuing to grow. Over the last year, she spent time rebranding and completely restructuring the company's back-end integrating various aspects that will allow it to scale and prepare for future of wireless. From instant activations to various AI features in its new mobile app, the 2.0 launch is a huge step forward for the company. Learn more about her company at tessixwireless.com. That's T-E-S-I-X wireless.com. And remember, our ongoing Black Business Spotlight theme continues to be Let's Relaunch Black Wall Street Nationwide. That's a wrap for this week's show. And remember to follow us and share your thoughts with us by sending your comments as well as your questions and show ideas to at the Brothers Talk on X, formerly Twitter, and catch the Brothers Talk on Facebook, Instagram, or email us, brotherstalk at gmail.com. As always, God willing, we'll continue to keep our focus on the issues that impact our community on the path to a better future. And until our next episode, know that we sincerely appreciate your time, your interest, and you can rest assured that we'll never take it or you for granted. Finally, let's all do better today because that's all we really have.